0: Hi friends, I'm Felicia, and I'm Diana, and we are the Base Body Babes,
1: and I'm Sebastian, otherwise known as the Australian Strength Coach. Welcome to,
2: back to, Base. the, podcast!
1: We are up to episode four. And we've got a very special guest. They're all special guests. Every one of these things, we're going to say we have a special guest. But he's special. He's special. (laughs) All of our guests are special. All of our guests are going to be special. And they're
2: actually amazing. We only work with the best.
1: And this is going to be someone that we do work with. And that is someone we've been working with for years. He is who I consider to be the best rehabilitation specialist in Australia. And I'm going to go as far as to say Australia have some of the best practitioners in the world. So he's one of the best rehabilitation specialists on this planet. He is. And we are very happy and lucky to have him as part of our team. And we're going to expose all of our audience. For those of you who don't know Andrew already, it is Andrew Locke. You can call him the Doc, you can call him the Reverend. I think that's what he likes to refer to himself as. <laughs> but what he does... I call him
2: just lock, and you always go, that's just weird. It's, no. It is weird, locky. No. But
1: anyway... He's call, my call friend.
0: Him what Have you seen that lock around his neck? Yeah.
1: He does have a chain. He looks unique. Let me tell you. He He's jacks. a legend. He owns we love an Australian him. bench press record. He's, He's the only strong. Australian over 50 years old. We're not going to... He doesn't like to admit his age. He's the only <laughs> Australian over 50 years old with a 200 kilogram bench press. That's in competition. insane. Get it, insane. it lock. He he practices what he preaches and that is weakness will not be tolerated. He's a rehabilitation specialist. He's got the reputation for fixing people that are broken. And he fixes yeah.
2: everybody.
1: I know, you know that's an introduction and I know a lot of the people that are following us know who you are but for those who don't, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do?
3: <laughs> seriously, man, um, we haven't got that much time.
0: <laughs> We've
3: got all man, the time. I, can, I can seriously, Oh, man, I was just remembering it goes back a long way. I, I started really in life um, expecting to be a professional baseball player because I played for Australia as a junior, and um, I was actually had left school and gone to Darwin as a semi-professional, expecting to go off to play in an American um, league in the next season, and I saw a fucking muscle and fitness magazine with Arnold on the cover, and that was the end of my baseball career. Hmm. I decided I was going to become the next freaking Conan the Barbarian.
2: (laughs) Just like every young guy wanted.
3: Man, gee, 25, 30 years later, I still haven't made a Barbarian movie. (laughs) And so, yeah, I fell in love with weights. Now, at that point, I was almost going to become a professional wrestler as well, so there was a few things there. I got scouted to go to the States. And I decided that I'd get a career in the in the meantime, just as a backup, and that was what physio was. But as I was going through, I realised that no one who was teaching us knew anything about what I was doing, which was lifting weights. I was bench pressing, deadlifting, and squatting, and loving it. And so that became the real interesting part. Was I was already on a divergence to the rest of the profession, which was traditionally just you know, running around after footy players and tennis players and rugby players and things like that. I was probably at the right point at the right time where our professions now, you look at the osteos, the chiros, the physios, the exercise physiologists, the myos, everyone's weight training. So I was lucky enough to be there at this moment in time when I think a lot of professions started to change and there's a lot more change that needs to come. You know, and I can remember that first time I came to your gym. I mean, I came there and there wasn't a Pilates reformer anywhere.
2: What the fuck was I going
3: to do? I'm a physio. <laughs> Man, I'm alive! what the hell is Pilates? <laughs> So
1: that is right. There's a lot of things that we don't have in our gym. We consider that we've got a strength gym, but I don't um, really say that any other method's really wrong. It's just kind of what we prefer, which is probably why really um, you and I kind of gelled with each other. We're both kind of preaching the same thing. Something that I liked what you say is um, strength cannot, what is it, weakness will not be tolerated. And that very much aligned with me from from the very first time I met you. So it leads me to my first question that I've got to ask you is, where is it that you succeed and other professionals fail?
3: Well, the big reason is the same reason that you're a success. We're both following our passions without negotiation on anything else. We're not driven by money as much as the desire to do what we do to the best of our ability. And that's what you do, and that's why you're a success. When it really comes down to it, you're going to do what you got to do because you can't live any other way. I'm exactly the same way. I have an absolute burning desire to be the best on the planet at what I do. And what I do is basically understand, diagnose, rehabilitate injured people, predominantly at the moment. Yeah, it's always weight trainers, but then it all, of course, spills over to the rest of the human race. A lot of people say to me, you make it seem so easy and so simple. And as Einstein said, if you know what you're talking about, you can explain it to a six-year-old. And that's where my success comes from is it all comes together the more you have a passion for it. So that it's still there. I'm getting better every day just like yourself. You're lifting better every day. I'm better than I was last week. I've discovered things in the last month that I didn't know. But they're always in the framework of things I have known. So, it's not as if I found something that conflicted greatly. I have just found another way to add another layer. So, that's why we are the success that we are. I'm passionate about weight training, I'm passionate about fixing things. It's
1: something that we definitely know. Yeah. Every time we see you, you're doing something new and we're going to get to that later on. Let's paint a picture for our audience that don't have the video. Andrew is a very unique looking guy. He's, <laughs> he's jacked. His shoulders fill the screen from end to end. He's got a mohawk. He's got a, a <laughs> he big beard. He definitely
0: fits the profile of a wrestler. That <laughs> is for sure. <laughs> he, he, has, he has no neck
1: and he's just jacked. If you take a look at him, you wouldn't really expect him to be the smart guy that he is. Yeah. And as successful as a physiotherapist that he is but when you get to know him it all makes sense it does
2: okay so yeah go andrew
3: it's, it's, it's us it's us isn't it we are true to ourselves and that's what we do that's why you girls do what you do which is such a passion that's what sebastian does that's why we are who we are we haven't negotiated with anyone
2: no you are a unique character and loved by so many so let's get straight to the fun stuff We've been in the industry for quite a while now, especially Sebastian. He's been around for a long time. We have heard, and I'm sure you have, and most of the industry professionals that listen to us have heard the myths and the do's and the don'ts in the fitness industry. We want you, Mr. Science, to help us bust those myths. We're going to call it Debunking Movement Myths with Andrew Locke.
3: What a superb idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear your opinion. I'm going to start. Go knees over toes. Go, dear. Knees over toes in the squat. Yes, no, and why? Yes or no?
3: Uh, could you? I just take a video of any Olympic weightlifting competition. The knees are heading over the toes, aren't they? Yep. Uh, yep. So <laughs> where are they supposed to go? They're not supposed to go there.
0: Who, backwards. <laughs>
3: There's a simple principle, I think, which we should encompass, and it doesn't matter whether it's knees or necks or anything, and this helps us dispel that, is a joint will never go where it shouldn't go anyway. Mm-hmm. If your knee can naturally move over your toe, well, guess what? Evolution gave that to you for a very specific reason. And if you happen to have a freaking long femur and a short toe, or <laughs> a short torso, <laughs> not a camel toe, a <laughs> short torso, not long, you're going to have to get that knee out there somewhere to get your centre of mass over your base of support and that knee is going to move over your toe and you're going to be a hell of a lot better because you did. Okay. Hopefully then you've got a hip structure that associates with it. So, yes, knees can go over toes.
2: Yeah, that brings us to our next point, the VMO. VMO strengthening for knee rehab. Let's hear your thoughts on this one
3: absolute complete total bullshit no there's no such muscle as a vmo it doesn't exist now the thing about it is when you look back at the studies that described why they called it a vmo remember what i need to help the listeners understand is there's a muscle on site inside of your knee called the vm that's your vastus medialis it's not a vmo the big thing there is your vastus medialis The O was supposed to be some small fibres in an oblique fashion. Okay, the first studies that were really looking at it were using surface EMGs. They couldn't see under the skin. They're placing surface EMGs on a muscle that's called the VM and they're calling it an oblique fibre. It was so poorly done. Now, there was a lot of wonderful research done many years ago, now about 10 years ago, which you can hunt up, and it's found out that... The problem really was that a lot of the the physios who were, there was a a lady called Jenny McConnell, I think was the original person about 30 years ago, who made this proposition, that a weakness of the muscle on the inside of your knee allowed your kneecap to fall outwards. Well, that was dead wrong because what they were doing is they were doing open chain studies, not closed chain studies. Put a foot on the ground, you'll see it's internal femoral rotation. The femur's falling inwards. The kneecap is not moving outwards. It's a position where it's staying but the is rotating inwards. That's got nothing to do with the muscle on the side of your knee, but got to do with your ass. Yeah. So rehab for and using a VMO is a total complete waste of time and a lot of money. I worked with the best people who are VMO specialists back when I first graduated. 12 months later, they're still doing bullshit step-downs on the same patients who aren't getting any better. Mm-hmm. Now I see a patient once, And a week later, they're better because they start to use their ass to control their femur. So let's stick a stake in that one like a vampire hunter, huh? Like that. that. one's dead.
2: That one's dead. You got that one very nicely. Okay, round back deadlifting, good or bad?
3: It all depends who you are. Mm -hmm. Now, I actually had a patient come in yesterday. Funny enough, came from the same place that... Konstantinos came from she had a humongously big thoracic kyphosis so that's that's
1: that's that's the famous deadlifter that everyone refers to for those who don't know um he's sadly passed away but he's a current world record holder in the 125 kilo class 426 uh, 426 kilograms no belt very rounded back and a lot of people will refer to this guy when they're talking about round back deadlifting continue andrew Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, so I actually think, ah, I think I've seen a little um, genetic relationship here. And uh, she could control her thoracic kyphosis. When she bent over to pick up a bar, she looked like KK, but she was about 100 kilos smaller. <laughs> and it is exactly the way she should lift. Now, what do we talk about round back lifting? Means there's nothing wrong with bending over and touching your toes. How are you going to do your shoelaces up unless you've got a good wife without, oh. you know? bending over and touching your toes and bending your back. You can't do it. So what's wrong with bending your back? Nothing, as long as when you load your spine, that it doesn't bend anymore. There's the game. So that's when we use the word flexion movement and flexion moment. So when you put a load on your spine and it's flexed, nothing wrong about that, but when you start to lift it up, you start to move it, don't let it flex any further. That's called moment arm, it's like a crane lifting now if you go deep sea fishing and you happen to catch a big marlin out there, you'll see the rod will start to bend the more it loads that's not the way we lift that's a flexion there's your round back movement under load so that's bad so we must say flexion moments are fine flexion movements under load are not a good idea for the lumbar spine So it has its two parts. all good. Great explanation.
1: Now we're going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum and talk about bending in the other direction, arch back benching in a bench press. Is it good, bad, and why?
3: Well, essentially, case by case, but in the true main, in the majority, it's the best thing you can do to look after your back. Now, just remember, a structure is more stable if it has an arch than if it has just a simple straight line. So if you look anywhere through the old world, you go hiking and touring through some parts of Europe, you'll always know where Greeks have been because there's lots of straight lines and lots and lots of columns that had to hold up that weight. Well, if you head over to Rome and wander into the Vatican, you'll see that there's a huge dome, it's a big arch, and there's no columns holding that up in the middle. You can span a greater area and take more load with an arch. So an arch is in fact a more stable structure than a straight line. Now when we're bench pressing, we're going to be locking that in with basically everything we have, intra-abdominal pressure, our turning our lats on, our glutes on. We're actually using that spectacularly well to be more stable. Now you cannot bulge a disc in extension and most back injuries are are flexion injuries. So moving forward under load, creating the disc injury with a few reasons for that. But many studies done, Professor McGill did a lot of them. There's a guy called Adams. They must have busted thousands of discs over the years. But they never created a bulge going into extension, only into flexion. Now, in an arch bench press, you're in extension, so it's not a bad thing. And you're not bending too far back. That's fine. Your body probably has still got a bit to go. And we need it. You're going to be using hip extension anyway under there, so you're connecting yourself in a very sensible way. So, yes, arching your back, one of the best things you can learn to do. But once again, like everything we say, you don't put a kid into a Formula One car and expect them not to crash. So um, with all that technical work, let's put the L plates on and uh, earn the right to put the weight on the bar, as you have said.
0: Well, on that note, talking about kids, the last one we've got for you, lifting weights for children, yes or no? Is it safe?
3: Sure. Yeah, sure Is very safe. Guess what? Good technique is universal. Teach kids great movement patterns and they'll become excellent adults and they'll be adults who move very well and they'll be less likely to get injured. So definitely teaching a kid to move under a load with excellent technique, what a wonderful skill to give a kid! Brilliant idea.
1: Love that. But what, don't try what, and. What can, be, that. what can be said about uh, weights for children stunting growth? Is that a myth?
3: Oh, it's probably up there with saying Pilates fixes backs. You <laughs> know, basically bullshit. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
1: right.
2: That's interesting to know. We just had our daughter deadlifting.
1: And I've been, I've had her deadlifting actually. She's ten years old and she deadlifted today, not so heavy, mm-hmm. not so heavy that it was g- going to break down technique. Of course, she's, she's in my the daughter. back.
0: She's in the back here and, with her thumbs up. She's actually <laughs> started
1: deadlifting at the age of seven, and yeah. we started her with. Uh, a technique bar with 15 kilograms and I put up a video on social media and of course I would never want to hurt my own daughter and I'm very aware like I've been working with you for years and I know these things I just know that you explain them a lot better but um I knew that it was completely safe working with her and she has been doing it for years but you still get the odd people on social media which is unfortunately the way of the future a lot of people say don't listen to social media and obviously we don't take everything on social media as gospel but um there's always going to be the the odd person out there that says you 're doing the wrong thing you 're going to stunt their growth and all of these things, so um, but we have our
2: daughter who is under very good guidance. a lot of people don 't have that luxury, <laughs> so I, I yeah like our advice would be, would be do it with good guidance
1: so so that's um a lot of great things that we've learned from working with We love those and, mythbusters. And, and one thing that was that was great myth busting, so one thing is just kind of moving forward a little bit, a little bit of myth busting as well, but it's mm-hmm. one really important lesson it's been. I will definitely say it's been a game changer, not just for myself as an athlete or as a coach, but as an online coach and you girls as well, your entire team, all of your members. The way that we warm up, our procedures have changed drastically since meeting meeting Andrew. So I I will confess, I used to consider stretching as part of a warm-up routine or a cool-down routine and flexibility as an important part of your overall health. Since working with Andrew, we've very much ditched the stretching in favour of... Activating, mobilizing, warming up, and then training. It's a very different procedure. Mm -hmm. So stretching is something um, that I've learned a lot about through Andrew. And instead of me trying to teach the audience, I'm going to ask you, Andrew, what is your take on stretching muscles? Is there ever a benefit? Do you do it? What's your take?
3: It works with populations of people who have spasticity, neurological problems. But for normal populations, it is certainly detrimental should you be considering you're going to go out and lift. Because only by increasing your stability will you increase your ability. So tightness will protect you. Looseness will endanger you. Mm-hmm. I can remember, actually, seriously, I think my first year out, and where I was working was the head of the AFL Physio Association. And there was some interesting data coming through that because teams that had gone through more stretching programs at that point were clearly demonstrating more injuries than any other clubs. So it was being demonstrated with explosive sports, the more you stretched these athletes, the more they were getting the injured. So for us, it's very, very much the case of, you would have to give me a reason why you need to stretch. So a lot of people come to me who consistently stretch because they feel tight. I say, well, can you tell me why you feel tight? And none of them can. I said, well, there's your answer. You haven't found out why you're tight. All you're doing is fighting your strength. You haven't found your weakness. So wherever tightness is, is the opportunity to find a weakness that is making your body tight. Your tightness is protecting you. So it's funny, I get people with stiff necks. What are they doing? They're stretching them all the time, which is basically telling the neck, guess what? You've got something offending you, pulling on you. Perhaps you need to tighten up more because something's really pissing you off. Mm. I teach people to go the other direction mm. with the stiff neck. Move towards the tightness. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? It turns it off. There we are. So the, the key is why are you tight? Mm-hmm. So don't stretch. So You need to give me a good shirt.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great answer. It's something that we always say is it's to find what's underperforming. So the tight muscle isn't what's underperforming. That's the, that's the muscle that's doing its job. And then people go and switch it off by stretching it, making them more vulnerable mm-hmm. for injury.
3: You, are now, you have now offended your strength, weakened your strength, and done nothing to address your weaknesses. Get ready to get worse. Great. Yeah. So,
1: so leading on to the next part of our warm-up procedure that we've learned from you guys, uh, not from you guys, from you in particular, uh, with a lot of research backing everything that you're talking about, and that's activation exercises. For our major joints, every time we do um, a lower body session, we're loading our spine, we're loading our hips, and we'll do some activations to protect our spine and protect our hips. So the main things are to protect the spine, work on the core. To protect the hips, work on the glutes. Uh, protect the shoulders. We've got a whole bunch of mobility exercises as well. So this is part of the procedure. Can you please explain how does this help us for our warm-up to activate opposing muscle groups before we train them?
3: Yes, the concept really is. Activation is to wake up the primary muscle groups that you're going to have involved. For example, with the approach I take to the lower body work especially, we have demonstrated that with top-level deadlifters, hip rotation or hip torque is a hallmark over everything else. The best lifters have the strongest hip rotation, hip torque, that comes from your glutes performing extension. Weak lifters will compensate if they don't have that by overusing their lumbar spines. Now, there's something to that. That's an evolutionary thing why we probably use our spines in that method because we're actually moving towards athletic endeavours. We have to actually switch things around and really use our primary strength muscle group for hip talk. All right, so if I'm gonna get you to have good hip extension, but you've got a very active lumbar spine, I have to sneak up on your extension by making you do some abduction and external rotation, which is a glutes job. Now, at that point, your lower back's not involved in abduction, external rotation, but your glutes are. Then I'm gonna stabilize your core with some plank style work. So that now you're stiffening your core, but it also turns your glutes on then I'm going to make you do it a little bit more, and then I'm going to put you into hip extension movements. At that point, I've stiffened your core, I've now got your glutes excited, and when I do hip extension work, I've got a set core, and I've got a muscle that's going to extend beautifully. If I just went straight into training, and that glute isn't going to extend as well as it should, then I'm going to have a shit pattern, and I'm going to set up an impingement pattern, perhaps in the lower back, or I may piss off that disc. So the whole concept of activation is to set you up for the most perfect performance loading. That's why we warm up. So the activation precedes the warm up, which sets the muscle into the pattern, and then we integrate it into the function of loading. So that's why we take so long to do what we do. In fact, there comes back to a little bit of stretching moment there. My concept on some people while they stretch, and you'll have observed this as well, is they're not really stretching. They're sitting down, they're moving, but getting their head space right before they train. It isn't really. They're really trying to stretch anything. They're getting headspace. They're sitting now for twenty minutes, half an hour, and they've got to get their headspace right. So what are they going to do? That's what they call stretching. Realistically, they're just feeling themselves move. It's more a mental game. I think you'll that, observe that with some of your lifters as well. It's a mental game before you start lifting.
2: And I think we've had a, yeah. we've had a lot of um, success and a lot of great feedback since introducing the core and glute activation routines prior to all of our workouts. It's actually included in all of our programming now, Cross-Based Body Babes in Australia. I'm going to take food. it further.
1: I'm going to take it further. So, so um, everyone knows our audience. I've got a lot of elite-level athletes. Yeah, and Thor does we, it. And <laughs> Thor does it, and he's the strongest man on the planet. Yeah. But we also use these activations. Actually, I, I see you in the morning. We've got Felicia training my daughter a lot of the uh, times She at home. runs me doing, through it now. She's doing our activations. so, yes. so from amazing we, we use that as yeah. an example from the absolute beginner to the most elite in the world mm-hmm. we're using these uh, exercises they're not too cool or they're not too difficult for any genre any exactly. level of experience mm-hmm. um and and we've had a lot of great success so so i would have to say for those who want to know the different types of activations that we're talking about um a lot of them would be posted up on your instagram page is that right andrew
3: Absolutely, I've shot a lot of a lot of video on the core work, Great. and it's all on there. We'll, and we'll, so, we'll, we'll we'll put, we'll put we're always tags. tagging tagging
2: we'll, Andrew with that as well. We'll put your
1: tags Ooh, on it, yes. so everyone, everyone knows where to go to. But I would definitely um, urge all of the listeners to go on uh, Andrew. They page are a must, and look, yeah, a, a must do. do. A must do core and glute
2: activation routine.
1: It's been a game changer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely uh, f- for us,
0: Andrew. It, it is for all of us. I'm going it. to change the topic. Something a little bit taboo, a little bit personal. A little bit personal, actually. It's something that I experience <laughs> all the time, and I just wanted to chat with you about um, yes. weighing on the platform. Like it's the elephant it's in the, for the room cows. for females for women. It's definitely the elephant in the room. <laughs> Boys don't. I don't. I don't, I don't Boys more. don't well, do it. <laughs> no, you do other things. <laughs> but uh, no, weighing on the platform. Um, yeah, is it normal?
3: Uh, no, it's not very normal. <laughs> okay. And it is something that we...
0: Well, is there a way that we can fix it?
3: Let's put a bit of context to this. You don't just get
1: up and piss on the No, football. I don't. She's busting and it's she needs I'm talking go. about heavy loads. It's when, you she's, know? It's when she's lifting, he- like usually heavy deadlifts, I'd say. Yeah, I'm S- going to say deadlifting over
0: squatting, actually.
1: Heavy he- When it goes really heavy and you're going to maximal loads, and it's yeah. not just you. We're using you as an example. We don't want to throw any other women under the bus. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> We've
0: seen it many. I've, but yeah. I'm quite happy to talk about it. It's, it's happening
1: over and over. You go to any major uh, powerlifting competition or weightlifting competition, that's what you're going to see. Women lifting really, really heavy loads, uh, and then followed by, in most instances, urinating on the platform yeah. mm-hmm. uh, during the biggest, uh, the sticking point, the most strenuous point of the lift. Mm-hmm. Is uh- it normal?
3: Well, you, you've, you've totally nailed it there, Sebastian. You've actually defined it perfectly. It actually, you'll probably notice it happens more with sumo, by the way, than conventional. Yes, yes. I do.
2: Well, She's a sumo yeah. lifter.
3: All right. So, what you picked out there was the identical thing. It happens at the hardest part of the lift mm-hmm. under the greatest mm-hmm. load. So it's not normal. That's when you're approaching abnormal levels of strength. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank
0: you. Solution to the problem. (laughs) Yeah.
3: There is one. Mm -hmm. All right. There's a couple realistically, but the most effective what we're talking about here is how to really stop this happening and minimize it. Mm -hmm. You you find the weak point in your lift when you are having that problem. Identify where it is in the lift. Mm -hmm. At that point in your training, you need to take a lighter load at that specific point, practice holding your pelvic floor hard and work that range.
0: Right, okay. You'll
3: find you're getting, and this comes back to the scientific principle, specific adaptation to impose demand. You have a specific problem under a specific demand. All right, we're going to drop the load. We're going to put you in that position. You're going to cue that pelvic floor better. You're going to practice it. Your body will adapt to that. You'll be better. Right that's on. how the key is going
2: to be. While we're on the topic of females, you happy yes. with that answer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. While we're talking about females, and I'm sure we have a lot of coaches who listen, who train women as well. Can we talk about training around your menstrual cycle?
3: Not enough of them talk about it because it's really super seriously important.
2: It is. It is. All right. Go for it.
3: Now, where does it come from? Essentially, naturally, because within the cycle, as there are hormonal changes, there's effects upon with those hormones upon the collagen within your body. Mm-hmm. The famous sacroiliac joints that join your sacrum to your pelvis, mm-hmm. they are affected with some women, who especially those who've had childbirth, but others as well, but you'll tend to find within the populations more predominantly those who have had the children will have it more often, but there will be a weakness of the collagen around about um, during the period time. Mm-hmm. Interesting, I have some, some people who work with the AFLW and they've said that within studies they're noticing more anterior cruciate ligament injuries during period times. Mm -hmm. Yes, that associates the same problem. So we're seeing that there's a relationship between lack of muscular control and some weakness of the collagen in the ligaments. Mm -hmm. How do we train around that's the next question, really smartly. All right, think about the sacroiliac joint. All right, it's where, if you're standing on your feet, it's where the weight transference will go through, from your hip, through your pelvis, to your spine, essentially. This is the point where it happens. So don't do single leg work during that period of time. Do double leg work. No single leg leg pressing, no Mm step-ups. Keep that out. Move to double leg work during that time when you feel more painful or when you feel less stable. Mm -hmm. Double leg work, hey, guess what? I'm feeling okay now. Then you can move to your single leg programming outside of that time and you'll be fine. All right, so that's where there is a hormonal relationship. There is a way to approach training with it, all double leg stuff. Feet both closed chain, on ground, great.
2: Wow, I like that. That's really interesting. That's a really good point for the women out there because it's something that we experience every month.
3: Because the glutes actually close, help close the sacroiliac joint as well Mm -hmm. as the transverse abdominus. So we do talk about ab training there. Bracing work is certainly going to assist as well. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at core work, I'd tend towards braced core work especially going into that rather than movement core work as well so there you are braced core work double leg work great you'll be fine so
2: we're talking like the couple of days leading up to the period when the period starts around that time
3: yeah they're usually it's sort of like for many people i'll say there's about a you know up to a five seven day experience there where they just know they're not quite what they should be
2: i definitely feel Everyone it has a, I will yeah. definitely feel that like even when I'm going into squat and I'll say to Bass, I'm just not feeling strong, My, I'm just not feeling stable, I don't feel like I'm going to lift well today yeah. at all.
3: Yeah, so I would even say uh, uh, one of my favourite exercises is the renegade row, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting one to work with because I find a lot of people really, really tighten up their core in ways that they've never experienced before and then you put them back under the bar again, they go, oh, shit, that feels better. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So you're There's so a little thing activation. I'm doing. Something. So, yeah, as an activation? Yeah.
3: I've actually started to include that into a lot of activations for people who I've noticed with hip problems.
2: Mm-hmm. So for and your lower body um, movement? Yeah. So like prior to squatting? Yeah. Okay.
3: Oh, and it's, it's a beautiful – I mean, I make it very, very strict. You can't move the body at all. You've got to be tough. Um, I have seen you know, people doing them with heavier weights, but they're moving their bodies too much. Mm-hmm. You've got to stay tight. Okay. So the tighter you get, yeah, have we go. Even shoulder touch we call it. You put you're into the basically the push up position, you just reach your right hand to your left shoulder and down, then mm-hmm. to the opposite. But you have gotta do it slowly, no rush. There can't be a mo- anytime you see acceleration in a movement that should be controlled, you know, they've lost control. Lost
1: yeah. control. Mm-hmm. So something I love about everything that we've spoken about so far, it's a common theme that I know this because I work with you and I don't want to take it for granted and just go past it, but everything uh, you're talking about, every problem we're talking about, where the solution is to strengthen something. So it is not, not to massage, not, no not, question. To, not to put a pin in it, not to um, put some electric shock through it or any of these types of therapies. It's a common theme with you yes. and that is... As you keep on saying, weakness
3: will not be tolerated. How do you fix a weakness? Strengthen it. As we say, that's it. We always say, you know, there is no question that I know of to which being stronger is not a better answer. Love it. Okay, so every time we speak to you,
1: a lot of the times, and that's something that I do love, we'll do seminars together and Andrew will come up to me and he'll say, you know, I've been working on this new thing in the background. Um, let's try it out today. This is the first ever uh, in, in back rehab, in back treatment, in, in pain treatment yes. for low back, uh, for arching in a bench press. I've got a solution for it. And you'll pop, pull a rabbit out of a hat right in front of us and it's like, wow, this is great. So is there anything currently that you're working on that I've not seen
3: yet? Absolutely. All right. Late at night, as I usually am, I will be thinking about something to do with anatomy or a patient who's walked in and I'm thinking about something I've seen. Well, traditionally, I've actually broken down back solutions really easily, right? And it's fairly universal. I always say professionals actually know what they need to know. They're just not confident in how to apply it. They know their anatomy. There's nothing under their that no one knows, every muscle we've got, every bone we've got, the discs we know. And what are people scared of? They seem to have a fear about back problems. So with backs, we have three systems that's all you gotta know. The passive system, that's your discs and ligaments. The active system, that's your muscles. And the neurological system, how those muscles move. You only have to know how to deal with those three simple things and you will solve pretty much 99.9% of back problems. All right. Well, I'm really good on protecting the passive work. And I'll say Robin McKenzie was the revolution in this back in the 1960s. And fortunately, I met him before he died and wonderful, brilliant individual. Professor Stuart McGill, absolute magnificence when it comes to muscular control of the core and the integration of muscle strength and core tightening in regard to protecting the passive system. In many of the things that we write about, we, we forget there's a couple of other small muscles that are basically inconsequential, we almost say, which are the stabilizers. They're not even stabilizers. They're the proprioceptive muscles, little strange names called the intertransversarian and semispinal. They're little muscles. They're proprioceptive. That means they know the position of sense where your body is. That system gets disturbed in injury. And there is a new system of training that I've started to integrate, which is addressing the proprioceptive system that underlies how we move. All we've got to remember is the muscles closest to the spine should turn on before the muscles further away from the body in all movement. And it's the proprioceptive ones that do get knocked out and do sometimes misfire. If we teach them to fire better, then your movement patterns will be less painful and you'll be stronger again. So, yes, I've now developed some awesomely new proprioceptive training. Fuck the wobble board. It's got nothing to do with that.
0: (laughs)
2: Wow. So So are these going to be new, like, routines?
3: Yes. So basically I've started to include a lot more things using bands and weights, but offset. So if I was going to give you a kettlebell that might weigh 16 kilo, good luck on this one. And I put a band around the kettlebell and I hang it off a bamboo flexi stick or a bar, especially the flexi bars, And but I only put it on one side. And I'm going to get you to try and squat that. Watch what happens to your body. Everything has to stabilise so freaking hard because this thing's bouncing up and down on one side. Mm. Now, that's just one example. I do lunges with that. I so do presses. I imagine doing that with a sots press. Good luck. I'm going to teach your core how to know its position in space reflexively, really super well. So this is done before. And that's you're like- it. Nope. Yeah, this is almost set up as a true rehab approach for somebody who's having ongoing problems. They have to practice their patterning work. Interesting thought. Stability work doesn't build muscle. All right, it will fatigue the crap out of your nervous system. So if you spend a lot of time doing nervous system stability work you'll be burned out pretty fast and you won't have room for the hypertrophy training. So you've got to know that you do some of it, a little bit of it here and there, but you don't overdo it or else your nervous system will be pretty tired and fatigued by the time you get to your major lifting. So this is a little thing I'm integrating now. Like as I was doing with um, bench press work previously, um, upside down kettlebell work and pressing those in the bottoms up press. Bottom up press, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome for shoulder work, Yeah. Now, if I add a now if I add a band to that, I'm really making it tough on your lower body. So yeah, I've written up quite a lot of fun and um, videoed a few different moves. So
2: what I like about what, what I like yeah. about what you're talking about, we're obviously all in lockdown at the moment, and all we're hearing from everyone is. I've got minimal equipment. I've got a kettlebell. I've got some bands, like just really simple pieces of equipment. And what you're saying is, yeah, you've got some really good ideas coming up. I'm sure a lot of people would um, benefit from a lot of these exercises. And using this time in lockdown to prehab, rehab, do all of those things to better themselves so when they can get back into the gym... They can um, get back to it's, achieving it's so all of their exciting. goals. Yeah, so, totally. So, so let me just—I just want
1: to go. I want to so. continue on that. Um, if I've got someone, I, and I do experience all types of athletes, some people that are really, really strong and don't—and and they have minor injuries—and it's not as if it's a—not a, not a really noticeable weak point. <laughs> there's, some of these instances, they're the you know world record holders or, or country, national record holders, and there's pain that they're not sure about why. So let's just say. Um, this pain can come yeah. from these, these proprioceptive muscles. How would I approach, let's just say a deadlift session, how would I activate or, or incorporate these um, uh, strange exercises, these balance exercises, I'm not sure what you would call them, mm-hmm. um, instability exercises, yeah. before I would uh, test, say, like a big deadlift? If it was a strong lifter, Brilliant. Um, is, it, is it something that you could incorporate for someone like that?
3: Totally. Now, here's a thought for you. All you've got to do is... Sp- Basically, imagine your deficit deadlifts, right? Yep. Let's get the box a bit higher, so that we can put a band on one side of the bar, mm-hmm. and we can stick a kettlebell on that band, and we'll get someone a little bit higher up off the ground, so that they're already and they have it on one side only. So let's say we start with simply a um, a relatively good band that's got a bit of flex to it, yep. and about a ten kilo kettlebell. On one side. Now let's get that box on one side and let's get them working a deficit from there, and let's see how they move. That's a nice one. You could, another because if they haven't got enough deficit, you could play with another pattern which might be, um, say, backstepping lunges even with the bar on their back, which is going to really challenge their core prior to moving on to their belt. That's a really easy one to do because you don't need to have a deficit to work from and it's going to go single leg so you're going to try one side back stepping lunge forward do a few reps switch it around try the other side and then move to the bar and see how you feel it's really good for hip problems too mm-hmm. oh wow when you when you do this with people who have some hip instability and but those people are going to squat rather than lunge yeah because you just basically want to have them stable to start with two feet in the ground
0: yeah right
2: so how are you oh, going so to be, many- how are you going to be putting this new information out is it just on your channel
3: Uh, Well, at the moment it's really, I'm just writing it all up at the moment and we'll certainly shoot some video work, but probably by the time lockdown's out and uh, Sebastian and myself will be back on the road, I'll have a bit of a toolkit ready for everyone to play with. New course content.
0: Content I like it. Oh, God, yeah. How are Uh, you working in in quarantine, Andrew? Have you been um, doing all your stuff online?
3: Yeah, well, uh, I do some. Actually, before I spoke to you, I was treating somebody in the Netherlands, same thing, just by uh, Skype with him. And this morning was uh, New Jersey. So I'm basically treating most of the people around the world just by Zoom and Skype.
0: Great. So good. It's That's easy. Yeah.
3: So I, I can look at a movement pattern if you give me a history and I'll tell you what's wrong. And then I'll give you the exercises to do and away we go. So yeah, I've got um, a website that is coming up for people to be able to go to programming for rehab that will just be full of exercises and it basically will generate the program they need. And, of course, mentoring for professionals as well. They can get that from me. So I'm putting a, a mentoring stream in for any sort of professional who wants to learn how to be a brilliant rehab professional.
1: So exciting.
2: I
3: guess it's a great
1: advantage. The the way that you treat your patients isn't by poking your thumbs into them or, or anything that's really manual uh, face-to-face. You can pretty much prescribe exercise to mm-hmm. anyone regardless of whether you're in the same room with them or not mm. so um i guess the, the style of uh rehabilitation specialist that you are i guess from a business standpoint not only does it work for you but for people that are out there um thinking that exercises can't be a prescription for for injury prevention or rehabilitation um you know kind of take note this is mm-hmm. um the way that the world has to adapt who knows what's going to come after covid19 i kind of it's, it's hard to predict. Uh, COVID-20. COVID you got Well, you got you got a lot of predictions out there as how everything's going to go back to normality. And I know there's going to yeah. be a lot of paranoid people that don't want to have uh, face-to-face contact with large groups, for example. Mm. So I think so Me. much is going to... Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't want to throw her under the bus, but yeah, Felicia's probably one of them. But, you know, face-to-face contact is... is Maybe it's going to change. So I think that a lot of people need to kind of take note of this strategy. And it's not just because of COVID-19. It's not just because of making money. It's because it works. Mm. Strengthening a weakness is a great tool for rehabilitation. And that's why we've aligned. I just believe in everything that you do. You know, it's hard for me to ask you these questions because I kind of know a lot of the answers because we've been working (laughs) together for so long. But it's great for our audience to be exposed to you. And and I'm going to have you on so many more times. Um, There's going to be so many more uh, topics that we want to talk.
2: To you about, I don't know where to stop. Yeah, Um,
3: sure. Um, Just one more thing. Actually, one thing I'll say there too, which is really, really important, is the same way you do your work with people online, where they send you videos to critique. Mm -hmm. That's all I do. Mm, I see the same thing for a for a different purpose. I pick a movement pattern problem from an injury point of view. You pick it from a performance point of view. That's where, as I said before, and I've mentioned this a while ago. You are one of the two people who I e- – E-Med has to be the other one. The two best people who can watch a human being under a bar and pick the problem. Two best people I've ever seen just get it. And it doesn't happen the first time you did it. It took years to develop. Years, and now it's the same sort of thing. You've seen it and I've watched you develop over the last couple of years. Oh, I mean, you're such a different – Different coach now. With your, you're fine. You finesse now. Oh, it's amazing. You and Em are two, I think the best. Thanks, that. You're, you're, you're giving me a big. <laughs>
2: head he that's, does have a good. Okay. He does have a good eye for detail. While we're talking about observations mm. and quarantine mm. life, have you seen any um, changes in the types of injuries coming about since being in quarantine? Like shoulder, postural issues. What are you seeing?
3: Uh, actually, what I tend to say is I'm seeing a little bit of people who are attempting to do things that they've seen other people doing in lockdown,
0: <laughs> like so pressing a coffee table challenging- overhead.
3: <laughs> Seriously, probably that's <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I saw someone leg, pre-
2: leg pressing a couch the other day. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the biggest danger I think with lockdown is people are trying to match somebody else's performance mm-hmm. too early. Okay. And they probably just need to work on some loading. They'll be locked down for long enough. Take your time and don't drive yourself into the ground trying to – it's like someone trying to do a max world record in any lift just because they've seen it on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, take your time. Load up frequently, practice, and you'll be okay. But always get a good coach if you're going to do something interesting.
2: Of course, be safe, guys. Be safe. Okay,
1: I think um, so. So we're, we're hitting up on the time right now, so we don't want to hold you for too long, but we definitely want. to I have love you all back. of those points. I, I they do were love all these really so great. There's so many more questions that we want to ask, and um, we get a lot of mm. questions from our audience of what to ask you. And there's so many that we're going to say for the next time, and and I know there is going to be next yes. time if you will be kind definitely. enough to to bless us with your presence again on our show.
0: Before we go, I can't, can't, wait. You, can't wait. Tell <laughs> us where we can find you.
3: You can find me. Well, let's say at this point,
0: find everything
3: at Andrew underscore Lock underscore Strength at this point because anything I produce from there will be um, announced on there. That's, that's on a, Instagram. That's, that's so exactly. that's the best place. Yeah, on, Instagram. That's where. And when you're usually useful things.
2: And when you're usually practicing, you are found at which location?
3: At Pro Raw Gym exclusively in Doncaster and
2: in Melbourne, Melbourne. Victoria.
3: Yeah, and um, you know, seriously, it will take you six weeks to get in to see me if you start trying to book now. So,
2: and what about all know, of the people all around the world? Um, do they just check out your Instagram and then DM you yes. or email DM you? DM
3: me on Instagram. That's the place to be.
2: Okay, I'm um,
3: looking forward to. Looking forward to hearing all those wonderful people with easy problems to fix that no one else did.
2: (laughs) Well, seriously, we've never had so many clients come to us saying, there's only one person that's ever fixed me and it's Andrew Locke. It it is definitely. (laughs) I I said it at the start of this show.
1: People come to us and they say, I've got this problem. I went to this physiotherapist. I went to that uh, chiropractor and then I went to Andrew Andrew Locke and now I'm fixed. Yeah. So... Love having you on. Love working with you. Love everything that you're all about. Yep. And we're sure if any of our audience want to find and learn a whole lot about you, go to his Instagram page. Thank you so much for jumping on our show, Andrew. Can't wait to speak to you soon.
2: Thanks, Andrew. Thank yes, yes, remember,
3: train, train hard and stay big, all right?
2: You're a legend. We'll try. <laughs> <on our base. laughs> we'll try and stay big. <laughs> <laughs> He'll stay big for <laughs> us.
3: Speak soon, Doc. Doing well. Thanks, Thank Andrew. you,
0: Andrew. Bye. See, see Andrew.